It's Wednesday, May 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me, the one and only, highly caffeinated Bill Barker. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, the trouble is, I'm about to run out. We've we did so much pre-show here that I'm almost done my coffee, and you oh, know what that's going to lead to. Yeah, that's going to be bad news. So let's uh, let's get through this show as quickly yeah. as possible. Uh, we've got retail, we've got pizza, we've got pizza news. Yes, we do, and uh, we've got RVs in the news. But we're going to start with Tractor Supply. Um, uh, tractor Supply, which is one of those businesses, just like it sounds. Uh, they're in the farm supply business, and um, shares of Tractor Supply up this morning, basically because they they updated their guidance for the second quarter. Um, this is, you tell me, is it like was the guidance that good, or is part of what we're seeing with the stock just enthusiasm from some institutional investors who are thrilled that a company, any company, is actually updating guidance? when we're in this period of time when so many companies are withdrawing it altogether? Uh, it could be a little bit of the latter. Uh, giving updated guidance uh, this early, there's still a month to go in, in the second quarter. So, uh, to give the guidance that they expect, Tractor Supply expects uh, same-store sales growth uh, of 20 to 25%. Um, with two thirds of, of the time period down, but uh, it's you know a, a, an extraordinarily big number, and caused as everything is right now by uh, the environment, um, COVID, and they're just in the right place at the right time. Also, they did a number of things uh, before this all started that put them in position to take advantage of uh, of this time uh, having. Gone further on their uh, buy buy online pick up and store program, uh, which is uh, one which more and more people are using, uh, not only at Tractor Supply but other places. And just twenty to twenty five percent same store sales growth for the quarter is uh, the reason the stock's up five percent today. This is not uh, a particularly big company. Uh, just if you look at the overall market cap, it's around $13, 14000000000 billion. Is Tractor Supply one of those businesses, because um, there have been stretches of time where this has been a great stock to own. Do you look at Tractor Supply as one of those operators that is an acquisition candidate? Would it make sense for, I don't know, like a Walmart to just go out and, and make them an offer? Because um, they they seem to do a pretty good job of serving their base of customers. Yeah, they've got a, a great record with customer focus, and I don't know that they that plenty of places I, I suppose could work their operations in, into their own. But I don't think that their identity uh, would do well under that. I, they they are. Uh, advertising themselves as serving the the lifestyle out there or out here, I guess. Um, and it's, of course, more people are spending more time away from cities and are maybe planning on spending large chunks of of the summer or the fall or or next winter even um, away from the locations where there's likely to be the largest. Uh, spread uh, at any time before there's a vaccine. So they are, and, and they've been doing this for a long time. So they have, you know, a mindset which is more oriented around 
uh, the smaller town, the rural lifestyle. And so, you know, how, how their customers would look at an acquisition by a, a major player, I don't know. They, they don't need it. They don't need to be acquired. Their balance sheet is in great shape. It's getting even more healthy. And, and they're one of the companies that really is planning to continue uh, share repurchases. They're, you know, with 20 to 25% comp growth, uh, that's going to improve their margins. Their their earnings are actually going to uh, improve by much more than that uh, because of the margin improvement. And with all that money, you know, they've had a sort of a pretty consistent 100-store count growth, more or less, uh, as they expand further and further west. Um, they're not really going to change, seemingly, their uh, store count growth, so that extra money is likely to go, among other places, uh, into share acquisitions, but I think also they, in their announcement, uh, listed a number of, of um, additional hires and raises, sort of just across the board. Uh, Raymond James came out with a report on Tractor Supply this morning, um, among other things, quoting the CEO of MasterCard, uh, who said that, and I'm quoting here, rural is the new urban. It's, it, is it? No, no, it doesn't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's, it's like saying black is the new white, or or whatever. But uh, uh, I think, to the degree that that makes any sense, um, we'll probably touch on this with RVs. Uh, the the CEO of Mastercard was referring to it uh, more in the travel category, and so whereas destinations. Uh, for travel frequently, uh, and will continue to still include, you know, cities, uh, but a lot less so this summer, this year. Uh, I think people will be getting outside and spending uh, dollars to travel to places that are not uh, cities. So, uh, you know, whether that helps, you know, the, the travel isn't going to help tractor supply too much. It's really more the do-it-yourself community uh, and and people. They also have um, ownership of PetSense, which is a smaller scale uh, competitor to uh, PetSmart and other you know pet uh, places. Uh, there's growing adoption of, of pets, uh, so they're both in the right place with the you know positioning of the rural lifestyle and also the pets. Uh, let's move on to pizza because uh, we got news out of both Papa John's and Domino's. Domino's um, said that same-store sales in the U.S. Uh, for the first two months of the quarter were up 14%. Papa John's uh, is estimating that for the month of May, same-store sales growth is going to be 33.5% in North America. That's, <laughs> that's uh, well done, Papa John's. <laughs> yes. Now, two things about that. One, the stock isn't doing all that much today in response to this news. In part, you know, Domino's had already come out yesterday with its numbers of uh, being up, I think, uh, uh, six, uh, maybe 20 percent for the month of uh, May or sort of mid-April to mid-May. Uh, so, Papa John's should have good numbers, 33, 35 percent, even better, obviously. Uh, stock's not really moving up because largely that was priced in. Uh, it's in comparison to last year when Papa John's was still uh, suffering, I think, from uh, much of the uh, PR fallout uh, around 
Papa John himself. And, um, you know, so I, I think the number, while extremely good, will is, is not capturing the imagination of the market today because I don't think that people expect it to continue. That, it, that was capturing sort of the month where just about everybody was on lockdown. That's probably as good, in some sense, as good as it's going to get uh, for Papa John's, at least until next next uh, winter, perhaps. And I, I think that uh, as, as much as this is going to have led to people adopting uh, Papa John's, downloading the app, uh, and that's going to increase the usage going forward. Um, it's it's a number. It's an outlying number that that you wouldn't really want to incorporate into uh, the future. Do you think Shaquille O'Neal is in this for the long haul? I mean, we we talked about when he came on the board and you know got some ownership and and all of that. And I don't see him in all of their commercials. He he's certainly featured in some of them and. I think if he's in it for the long haul, then that probably bodes well for the business. But I, I'm I'm not sure he is. I I would have to say I have no idea. Not not having researched it, and not feeling a need to speculate on on uh, Shaquille O'Neal's mindset on this one. Um, if it's uh, working out and he's enjoying it, then uh, he'll keep doing it. Uh, I imagine he's got. Uh, is his fingers in a, a few different businesses he's he's associates with uh, others that have had successes uh you know um trying out a number of different uh business opportunities and you know he he was the right face at the right time um to you know change people's perceptions uh so i i would hope he is uh but i i don't know that he's got to do you know, a whole lot on a day-to-day level with that investment. Well, and now that I think about it, obviously he's not, you know, he's not doing the NBA halftime show on TNT because that's not happening. So, so maybe he does have the time to do it. Um, but that's coming back. Uh, I, maybe. <laughs> maybe it is. If the NHL is back, then, then the NBA will be back. Then The NBA will be back. Okay. They may not be in front of fans, but they'll play games, and uh, we will watch them on TV. And he will commentate. My, that's my prediction. I, I'm much more sure about that prediction than whether he has a long-term mindset for Papa John's. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on to uh, the world of RVs, because you had sent me an article that the, the Wall Street Journal did about recreational vehicles basically, you know, being the safest way to travel this summer, um, uh, and I'm 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 wondering if this is actually going to be a moment for the recreational vehicle industry because uh, we were talking before we uh, started the podcast that you know this this is an industry you've followed this for a while um, and uh, for whatever reason it is uh, completely located in central Indiana. Uh, that's where I think all all of the public companies in the RV space are located, um, and there have been stretches of time where this has been a fantastic industry to be invested in. So, given where we are in the pandemic, um, given the data you're seeing, um, which really seems up and down in terms of RV shipments to you know more recent data points, 
What is the state of the RV industry right now as you see it? Uh, well, the state, having watched it for a while, the state of the uh, RV industry is uh, it's highly cyclical. And so there was a time about three years ago uh, when a number of very good years, record-setting years for RVs, uh, supplemented by the narrative that millennials were adopting the RV lifestyle in a way that really hadn't been done by uh, other generations as young. And this was leading to uh, millennials uh, getting the sort of starter, the lower end RVs, and then uh, if they kept with it and made it part of their lifestyle uh, for their lives, they would upgrade over time to, to more and more expensive ones as their, their families grew and as, as they uh, had more money. And uh, this led to an oversupply of Arby's as sort of the, the dealers in particular bought into this and oversupplied uh, going to about two years ago. And then the last two years or year and a half, there's been a working down of the inventory uh, that had grown on dealer lots. Uh, and then everything shut down. And so what you've had is the worst numbers ever in terms of shipments for April. I think they were down more than 80% for the industry, which makes sense. The uh, people just, uh, the factories stopped pr producing RVs and their dealerships were closed, um, maybe doing some online business. Uh, but as things started to open up in some locations in, in May, you had uh, Camping World is the largest RV publicly traded RV dealer announcing they'd had their best weekend ever at the beginning of May. Uh, you've had articles like the Wall Street Journal, uh, and you've got what are RVs typically competing against? They're competing against cruises, they're competing against flying, staying in hotels, going to resorts. Uh, these are all things which people are uh, putting off right now uh, doing. And I think that uh, RVs are in a, a sweet spot to be able to tell the story that you can bring your family, uh, you, you know where your food is, you know what, um, you know, where, where you're setting down, you, you park, you've got social distance between your camping spot and the next one over. Um, and at the moment, the stocks are reflecting uh, widespread investor enthusiasm, which uh, the market did not have uh, a month and a half ago. You've got uh, the major player in the industry, Thor, their stock's up, I think, almost 150% uh, from the bottom, which was uh, in, in the beginning of April. Now, I don't know, are you going to get an RV this summer? I am not, uh, but I understand the temptation. Um, and I, I understand the appeal of it. I think uh, just for, <laughs> just to get personal for a moment, uh, I, I would need to feel confident that I could drive an RV other than just like on the highway. I feel pretty good like out on the highway, that's fine. Pulling off the highway, parking, you know, little things like that, that's where it's like, all right, I, I feel like I would need to essentially rent one and test it out. I think we've I'd talked do. about you've you've driven a pretty big vehicle in your past, right? There have been a couple of times where I've driven uh, like ten wheeler trucks, um, uh, one for a summer job I had, and then and then a, a very large moving van. So, so you can handle an RV. 
I guess. I'm betting on you. I'm betting on you. You had the experience. So uh, an additional thing that is working to the advantage of RV sales is the uh, growing peer-to-peer rental uh, of RVs. So the the places that are sort of the uh, Airbnbs of RVs. So if you're going and you're, you're wondering, well, should I buy an RV? You've got dealers telling you, hey, you know what? This, you can make money off this. Certainly right now, that story is going to hold. If you want to buy this, use it for two weeks a year and rent it out the rest of the year, I can tell you, you know, everybody wants an RV right now. So that's that's what is, is being pitched, I'm sure, on dealer lots. Uh, probably lead to a few more sales, whether it turns out that an RV, owning an RV is a good a good way to, you know, make your money or pay off your uh, monthly installment. I don't know, but it's the environment of low gas prices, low interest rates, uh, and a, a narrative that you'll be able to, just like buying a vacation home, you may buy that and then plan on renting it out uh, often enough to pay off the, the mortgage. Uh, RVs fit into that category as well. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. What about you? Are you getting in an RV? Not getting an RV. No, no. <laughs> I am going to be spending time out outdoors, uh, but uh, fortunately, my father has a place that I can I can go to this summer to spend a little time outside. And when you, and when you say fortunately, you mean fortunately for all other people on the road. I'll just be I'll just be driving a normal car this summer. So nobody, nobody, I have not, unlike yourself, I don't have the experience of driving uh, tractor trailers and buses and, and, you know, semis. Um, So, you know. Real, real quick before we wrap up, um, because uh, I've never seen the show Billions. I don't have Showtime. Um, I hear very good things about the the show, but I've I've just never seen it before. But I I think, I know you mentioned this to me earlier earlier. uh, I don't know if you mentioned it on Market Foolery, but um, you said there was going to be a scene in an upcoming episode of Billions featuring court tennis, a sport where in the past you've been a national champion. So have you seen the scene? I, I think it aired on Sunday. Have you seen it? And and did they do it justice? Did you feel like as someone who has excelled at the sport of court tennis, did you f- watch that scene and think, OK, they got it right? No. Um, (laughs) wow. Well, they weren't playing with an actual court tennis ball. They were playing with a tennis ball. So that right there. That's strike number one. Is is a pretty big strike on did they get it right? If you're watching a, you know, scene from a basketball movie and they happen to be playing with a soccer ball or a Nerf ball, which would be, that would be kind of the, the comparison because it's much easier to hit a tennis ball than a, than a court tennis ball. Uh, so the court uh, that they shot it on, Tuxedo Park uh, in New York, a uh, beautiful court, showed itself very well. And uh, they were dressed uh, in uh, all white, as is required at that club, and just about every other uh, court tennis court uh, that I know of. Uh, so yeah, they got certain aspects of it, right? The actors, they were, they had trouble, uh, I think finding stunt doubles who could, uh, make it look like they knew how to hit a ball properly. So they didn't bother. They just had the the actors hit and they, they looked like, uh, they had probably 
you know, swung a tennis racket a couple times in their lives, but um, not not a court tennis racket. Uh, you know, if only they could go back in time and reach out to you, come in as a consultant. I mean, the Motley Fool has consulted for you know HBO programs in the past. They, you know, if Showtime, if you're listening, what, what just the, just just reach out. We'll help you out. What shows are those? I, I don't know these stories. A uh, little show called The Sopranos. You've seen that clip, haven't you? I, I mean, it's coming back to me. Tell me, tell me more. Uh, so there was a there was an episode where uh, Tony Soprano's wife uh, was concerned about money and wanted to learn more about investing and uh, that sort of thing. And so uh, one of our folks, um, and I'm blanking on who it was, but one of the people at the Motley Fool basically created a, a fake. Uh, main page of fool.com um, and so there's a scene in The Sopranos where she's sitting at a computer and she's on fool.com and she's doing research because she's looking to learn how to invest so you I know we, we're, we're trying to help everybody we're trying to help the world invest better and that includes Mrs. Soprano that includes organized crime apparently uh, apparently <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end this show Phil Barker thanks for being here thanks for having me as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Solary. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.